0: Hello folks, uh, welcome to another episode of Zonecast. I'm your host Isuru and I have
1: uh, Ramita with me today. Hi peeps. Alright, so, so far we talked about building JavaScript client-side applications. And in this journey, we talked about setting up our applications, integrating libraries. Um, also, we looked into linters and port quality. Furthermore, we discussed on some of the pitfalls that we encountered during coding. And also in the previous session, we talked about testing JavaScript applications and with this session we are ready to conclude this series with covering the build process and the continuous integration for front-end applications.
0: So for that purpose uh, we have Johan with us today so without uh, further delay let's begin. Build tools designed for back end applications such as Gradle, SBT, to name a few. Uh, Why do you think we need a build workflow and tools for the front end?
2: That's a good question, uh, Isuru. So, uh, throughout this series of sessions, uh, we discussed about uh, modern application building, how how we uh, go through all of these steps of uh, integrating linters and uh, getting involved, uh, all of these transpiling steps and so on. But in uh, legacy applications, uh, prior to all of these things, we were just referring JavaScript files, uh, whatever the uh, project associated files and again if we wanted any dependency we were just copying all those dependencies in our project and then referring it in our HTML files, but uh, in modern applications as we discussed uh, we have to get. Uh, these package managers involved, and uh, there are transpiling steps associated, and we have to combine all these script files, and there are so many things going on. And uh, to handle all these complexities, we need a task runner or a build tool to get this done. So that is when uh, JavaScript again thought, okay, why don't we come up with uh, something like build tools uh, in front-end development process, uh, just like in back-end development, as you mentioned.
1: Alright, so um, what are the options that we actually have when it comes to this front-end front build tools?
2: There are several build tools uh, and uh, task runners uh, and uh, one of the very first task runner is uh, Grunt and uh, after Grunt uh, Gulp came along and uh, now nowadays we use uh, Webpack and uh, NPM script is also there And uh, you can use either of these and again, you can combine these and create your build process as well. There are various situations where you want to combine multiple tools and get things done. And if it is a really simple thing, you can straight up use NPM script or Gulp or whatever the tool you like. Mm -hmm. It uh, all depends on the uh, context and the situation as well, what you are trying to achieve. Okay,
0: Okay. so Johan, let's take an ideal build process what what aspects of a web application do you think an ideal business uh, build process should cover
2: okay so it all depends on uh, what are required in your project uh, say you are using SaaS in your project if in that case you have to do pre-processing you have to pre-process uh, SaaS and generate css and uh, if you are using uh, a uh, higher level uh, language like typescript, so uh, typescript is a superset of javascript then you have to uh, ideally uh, transpile uh, typescript to javascript and then use it because browser only understands uh, javascript. In this case, you have to use a uh, TypeScript uh, transpiler. Likewise, there are several things associated with it. So I will uh, go through a couple of these one by one and uh, explain you why we need those and uh, when to use it. Uh, So first, uh, as I mentioned, we have if we have uh, SAS in our project or less or uh, whatever the uh, higher level superset of CSS then we have to use a preprocessor and uh, that uh, might uh, depend on what you are using so uh, that is the first thing and uh, you have to consider about the minification Uh, now uh, when it comes to CSS and JavaScript Uh, We might be writing our code, uh, having all these spaces and we'll be indenting our code and we'll be putting all these fancy comments and everything, right? But when it comes to production, we don't have to ship all of those because end of the day what happens is soon after we are done with the development, we'll be pushing all of these uh, through the uh, build process and ideally what happens is it will go through each uh, each and every line of code in these files and it will remove all of these by minification, and it will do uh, further optimizations as well when it comes to uh, JavaScript uh, because say for an instance there is a redundant uh, code segment uh, which can be optimized and uh, JavaScript minification process will remove those segments and make sure that it'll it it's in the uh, optimum way so that uh, over the wire when we are serving these files it, the payload size will be very less. So uh, that is the second step. And afterwards uh, we'll be concatenating all the JavaScript files together and CSS files together. So we are doing this step because uh, when we are serving a, a web appli- uh, whatever the web page uh, to the browser, if there are 101 uh, JavaScript files and uh, CSS files in our application, then what will happen is browser can only download five concurrent uh, script files or CSS file at, uh, files at once. I'm just taking arbitrary number, so th- this might uh, differ from browser to browser. And in this case, uh, when uh, it's downloading uh, five files parallelly for the other set of files you have to wait another uh some time back and uh, it it'll go on right so uh, it'll be uh, it'll take more time if we are to do it that way so if we are combining all of these files together and serving them at as one file then it'll be a bit faster Uh,
0: so i think the connection establishment time is also reduced when we are downloading a single yeah
2: because uh It's always higher, if you are to achieve a connection and get all these files, uh, you have to always do that uh, for each and every file. And uh, JS transpiling. Now, uh, if you are using TypeScript or CoffeeScript or uh, whatever the JavaScript superset, then you have to always transpile your uh, script uh, code base back to JavaScript. So that can be done easily via uh, this build process. Uh, And uh, Hashing files, so uh, this is an interesting thing now uh, whenever you are shipping your uh, uh, Whatever the implementations whatever the updates you are building in your application you might have to uh, hash your script files and images and uh, CSS files uh, what hashing means is uh, you are pending a uh, Uh, GUID or UUID at the end of your uh, script file or for the script name. So uh, the expectation behind this is now uh, say you are shipping a feature today and uh, uh, you have caching enabled from server side and browser again supports it. So in the client browser uh, this script file will get cached and throughout his sessions, it won't again and again go back to server and download this file. So that is a good optimization, right? But say now there is a immediate, like you found that there is a bug immediately and you want to push a fix. So you will be fixing this uh, issue and uh, you are pushing another release and you are uh, updating the servers, whatever the files you have. Then, when the client logs into this particular page, uh, whatever the application, and when he visits this page, then what happens is, uh, if it is the same name the script file contains, it will not retry to download it, it will always use the cached file. Uh, There are are strategies from caching as well to avoid this, but uh, sometimes, depending on the browser, caching gets sticky, and it won't always go back to server and invalidate, it won't get the invalidated, it won't invalidate the cache and get the updated file. So in this case, if we always make sure that we have a different file name when we have a new release, in script files, images, or CSS files, then it will get the latest version of these, whatever the script CSS files, To the client side then there won't be any issues so you can simply push your updates to client directly
1: so it's like a surefire way of invalidating cache for particular files of
2: course yeah so uh, next we have source maps Uh, we need source maps for css and javascript uh, when we are minifying files and again if we are using uh, supersets of uh, css or javascript uh, what uh, source map means is now uh, when in the minifying process what we do is we compress the uh, JavaScript content whatever the uh, files content by uh, removing all the spaces and replacing say there is a variable name called uh, uh, global uh, scope. So. In that variable uh, in the uh, minification process, it will rename it to a simple letter like A, O, B, O, C, so the payload size gets reduced, so in this case when we are renaming all of these and removing all the spaces and doing all these things, Uh, the actual file content, whatever the uh, things which was there initially will not be there, right? So when we try to debug it in the browser, say we are doing the minification process and afterwards we want to actually debug the uh, script file and see, (coughs) look for a particular error. In that case, we won't be able to identify any of these things because it's all compressed and it's not the code we wrote, it's totally different. So for this reason we have source maps and uh, all the modern browsers support source maps in that case what it does is it has a map of uh, the actual source file and the uh, transpiled file whatever the transpiled JavaScript file or uh, minified uh, JavaScript file and uh, it has the mapping uh, between all these variables and everything so you can actually debug through the uh, actual source in your uh, browser and uh, you don't have to uh, serve the uh, actual file rather than uh, doing that you can simply go ahead and enable source maps and uh, get this experience of uh, Debugging uh, the actual code in your browser.
1: So these source maps are they fetched from the server on demand as in when you're debugging or uh, How is it actually loaded and uh, I mean in in the point of minification Right the whole point of minification is to reduce the payload. So my question is how are these source maps fetched? I mean is it on demand during debugging stage?
2: Uh, Not actually now uh, it it depends whether you are pushing these to production Uh, normally in production environment we don't uh, push all these uh, uh, source map files But in development environment, say you are deploying it in test environment, then you can push this. And again in development time, you can use source maps. So what happens is now in the uh, development cycles, uh, if you are using TypeScript, you have to transpile transpile the TypeScript uh, files back to JavaScript. Uh, In that process, uh, whatever you wrote in TypeScript is totally different from what is getting generated. So this mapping is the source map and uh, uh, at that time, you have to serve source maps to uh, front-end whatever the browser and uh, debug through your TypeScript code in the browser. So, uh, development time, test environment, uh, stress you don't have to, uh, and if there is an issue in QA you can apply this and see but in production uh, normally we don't enable
1: source maps so push those to servers even all right so it's based on the environment that you are in but then
0: again uh, you can load the source map separately in your browser even in the production environment right? yes so if you want to like say mm-hmm. if you are de- debugging an issue in the production environment yeah. you can simply load up the
1: uh, source, source maps on demand on the browser right, right.
0: locally and debug the server right
2: yes that is the whole idea behind source maps so uh, you won't uh, ship it to client, yeah. but if you want to debug something, you can always enable it and do that. Uh, and uh, normally we don't keep it in the production service.
1: Right. And this is a configuration that you make in your build tool. Uh, source maps
2: can be generated via the build tool. Uh, so. I will explain about the uh, mapping between build tool and all of these things because uh, whatever I explained so far can be done isolatedly. There are various tools to do this. You can do the transpilation command line, you can do minification in command line and there Mm -hmm. are various tools What our build tool does is It combines all of of these these together together, and uh, it defines uh, them as steps and you can order the steps even. Uh, Say for an instance, uh, if you are transpiling a TypeScript file, uh, first off you have to run the transpile process, then you have to minify, then you have to concat Likewise, Mm -hmm. and then you have to inject it to the HTML file. So that is the uh, order of the steps you have. You can define all of these in your build process and you can invoke all of those isolated tools and combine them together. And by running a one single command like gulp build, it will simply run through all of these all of tasks these. and execute everything so you don't have to worry about the order. you don't have to isolatedly execute everything and you don't have to remember the, all the command line arguments you have to pass. Right. It will be really simple and uh, I will go forward and explain uh, the uh, other things as well. Uh, the next thing is embedding resources. Now, uh, in your uh, web application, you might be having several uh, script references, library references, and CSS references. If you are to manually wire up all these things, it will take a whole lot of time to figure out, okay, where are to get these dependency from, how to wire up, uh, what is the order of these dependencies, and so on. You can uh, configure your build script to do that as well. And uh, in that case, it will automatically wire up all of these things these to uh, uh, our HTML page. And again, if we are pushing a production build in that case, it will concat all of these script files and create one script file and again embed that to uh, HTML file so that comes handy uh, uh, when you are writing build tasks for different different uh, environments you can uh, always write uh, uh, whatever the build task for your production uh, targeting production environment related configurations and qa mm-hmm. and development cycles and uh, right. the final uh, point is uh, distribution uh, so uh, ideally, after you are done with all of these, you have to create your distribution and you have to uh, push it to say, if you are building a library, you have to push it, push it to uh, NPM repository. Uh, if it is uh, baba you are targeting, you can push it to buffer. Uh Likewise, uh, you can do all those steps also. And again, in your build process if, uh, uh, it itself, if you want to make a tag, if it is a production release you can say okay tag this from uh, uh, this code level and uh, make a change to version file and uh, commit all these changes to the repository so that again can be done with your build tool so basically you have the control of overall uh, whatever the uh, set of tasks uh, which you have to run to uh, get the uh, build done push the artifact to uh, uh npm repository or buffer repository and uh, tag your uh, uh particular uh version and uh, commit all the changes uh, and uh, make sure that everything went well so uh in these steps it will notify you if uh, there is something wrong so uh uh one thing i forgot to mention uh within these steps is linting. Now previously uh, in one of the sessions I mentioned that uh, we ha- we can integrate uh, lint. linters uh, in the ID and we can do the same with uh, build process as well. If we are integrating the linter to a build process then it will do the uh, code linting if it is JavaScript or CSS or uh, whatever the files you want to lint it will uh, show you the set of uh, uh, errors, issues, and so on, and mm-hmm. you can simply uh, address them then and there. Again, if you want to fail the build process, uh, if there are any issues, you can do that as well. Plus, uh, if you want to integrate testing and uh, uh, code coverage generation related tasks, you can do that as well.
0: So, uh, we have defined our build process. Uh, let's say uh, I have a CI or CD environment. Uh, like, you know, Jenkins or TeamCity. How is there a way for us to uh, integrate this directly into a CICD environment? Are there any tools that we can use there?
2: All the tools which I've explained so far uh, runs on top of Node.js. So uh, what you can do is now, uh, if it is the uh, development environment or CICD environment, in either of these, you can simply run all of these uh, in a terminal. So... Uh, in uh, Jenkins uh, CI environment, uh, you can simply uh, use a, a plugin like Node.js plugin and uh, invoke all of these commands or else uh, you can use a shell plugin also and uh, invoke these uh, commands uh, in shell as well. So ideally, this doesn't depend on any of these plugins. You, if you have the capability of simply invoking shell commands in your CI CD process, that's it. I think uh, almost all the CI/CD uh, processes, uh, like uh, environments, have these capabilities, and uh, it's just a matter of having Node.js installed. If uh, that plugin is not there, and if that plugin is again supported, you can simply invoke these commands.
1: All right. So I think uh, that pretty much sums up the entire build process in terms of you know front end um, applications. Um, right. So for uh, you know a final I would say, a more generic question. Um, So JavaScript is a very fast-evolving technology. So Johan, what's your take on, you know, always trying to go for the latest available tools and, you know, versions that's out there?
2: That's a very good question. Uh,
1: So uh,
2: some people might argue that uh, in your project, you are not using the very latest uh, trends and libraries uh, and so on. So uh, recently, I've been looking at one of my... uh, all projects which i've been working like one year back and uh, it has the build process written in grant but nowadays the trend is towards webpack and npm script so uh, i just thought uh, whether to rewrite the whole thing in uh, webpack and uh, this npm scripts and uh, then again what came to my mind was no need because uh, Uh, in the build process which I have at the moment, it has all the things uh, which is required for my project and I don't have to achieve anything uh, out of that uh, new tool which if I am to uh, integrate it and uh, get get these, all these uh, cutting edge uh, technologies. So, uh, it all sums down to uh, what you want from your build process. If you want something totally new out of this build process, if there is something wrong with your build process, then you can always go ahead and integrate whatever the new features, new tools and so on and uh, if it is uh, something uh, like if, if you are trying to uh, use the very latest uh, cutting edge technologies always think whether uh, it is overkill work uh, or are you trying to uh, do the same thing from a different tool so uh, it doesn't make any sense to adopt uh, new technologies just because they are there because uh, what i saw throughout these years is that uh, there are several technologies techor- uh, which comes up just like that, and people say, "Okay, this is the uh, best thing ever, and you have to use it, and so on." And after six months, uh, there is another library which comes up, and uh, they claim that, "Okay, this is the nice tool, and you have to use it." This is actually better than that. <laughs> yeah. one Use this instead of that, and then
0: six months later, the same <laughs> thing happens over and over again.
2: Exactly. So this won't ever stop. And if you are to keep on updating, you won't be able to build your project, you just have to keep changing libraries and uh, make changes to your code base again and again without building any of the features. So, uh, if you are starting a new project today, and if there are four technologies available, and all the people claim that there is a uh, technology uh, which should be the best for this particular purpose, then you better go ahead with that. And you have to research on that and see the uh, uh, support from community, whether it's going to last long and so on. If that is the case, then you can adopt it. But if it is a project which you have been building so far and there is something to it, then you don't have to go ahead and change it.
1: Okay, okay. So folks, that concludes the series for building applications with JavaScript. And hope you all gain a lot of insight into this um, arena, I would say. So, Johan, thanks a lot for the countless number of hours you've put into this and all the effort in getting all this information across.
2: Thank you, guys, for hosting this series uh, of JavaScript sessions. Uh, and uh, it was a learning for me as well. And I enjoyed a lot uh, doing these sessions. Uh, and uh, hopefully, see you guys again in another session.
0: Yes, it's always a pleasure to have you, Johan. And uh, with that, we've come to the end of the show. Stay tuned, folks. We'll see you again in another episode. Have a great day.